0: Hello and welcome to Suffragette City Radio. It's me, Sobering Maid. And me, DJ Lippa. Uh, it's been exciting at Make More Noise HQ since we last met. Um, what have you been up to? What have we been up to? Yeah, well, we have been um, organising, we've been plotting. Uh, is that what you can say when feminists do it? Plotting? Yeah, plotting over our cauldron. Yeah. <laughs> And we have a date. We want you to save the date. We want you to save the twenty second of June for a disco. Um, uh, we have a resident DJ. DJ Lippy is actually a DJ. I am actually a DJ.
1: It's not just my Twitter handle. It's my like. Well, it's not my job. I would, it would be my job, but um, yeah, I can I can DJ. <laughs> I could DJ. It's very modest of you. You're very good. I just I just
0: was treated to a little spin of the decks, and it's going to be great. So save the date, twenty second of July for club night, ladies club night. Um. DJ Lippy's going to be doing it. It's going to be a fundraiser for Make More Noise. Why? Is, why? Is, what, are we raising, what are we raising money for? Well, we are raising money for an even bigger event. So we want to put on a big radical talk event. And we have another date for you to save, which is the 27th of July. Um, both these venues are in a central Manchester location so top secret location yeah, top secret top secret and um so if you're in the northwest uh, do come over 22nd of June for the club night to raise funds and 27th of July for a big talk we're hoping to get some big ticket speakers and it's, i'm so i can't like i'm so excited i'm so excited i cannot speak
1: no you've been like buzzing like for like days now haven't you i
0: have i have even though i had such a rubbish day today and um, the patriarchy made my car break down so i'm very <laughs> unhappy um, but yeah so we've got a couple topics this week. Yeah, what are we talking about this week? Well, I wanted to start off with, so this was prompted by the Vancouver Rape Relief story. I don't know if you've been following it. We published it on the website. You can read the piece. It's we'll about put a link in the description. Yeah, it's about the pattern of harassment that Vancouver Rape Relief has been subjected to um, by... Activists. How long How long has it been going on for? It's been going on for over 25 years now. A minute. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to... And it just prompted me... This is in Vancouver, in Canada. And it prompted me to do a bit of research into the history of refugees in the UK. So mm-hmm. I've got some facts for you. Um, some fun, good, empowering facts and some not-so-fun, not-so-empowering facts. Yeah, it's a, bit of, it's a bit of a heavy subject, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So did you know that in the late 60s... So out of the late 60s, the women's movement... Um. Uh, the, the the this kind of the wave of feminism that emerged then, um, prior to that point, it had been very much in the public sphere. People had said, "Well, what happens behind closed doors stays behind closed doors." When talking about domestic violence and things like that, and um, that it was a, a husband's business. Yeah, or, domestic dispute. Exactly. And then in the late sixties. The feminist movement that emerged then really tried to change this conversation that it didn't have to stay behind closed doors. And um, that they, they were essentially the first people to say or trying to say publicly that to a woman, it is not your fault if mm-hmm. a husband hits you. And so they set up these women, women set up the first women's refuge, which was opened in 1971 in Chiswick, London, by somebody called Erin Pizzi.
1: Erin Pizzi. Yeah.
0: Have you heard of Erin Pizzi?
1: I think... uh, Maybe... Didn't she become a men's rights activist later on? She did. Yeah, she yeah, did, which
0: is really really interesting. Yeah, she wrote a lot about domestic abuse, but then um yeah, kind of then wrote that most domestic violence is reciprocal and that women are equally capable of violence. Um which, yeah, you know she's an interesting character. Um you can maybe go away and do some research on her. But yeah, so she was um instrumental in opening the women's refuge. And, um, and then Women's Aid Foundation yep. charity was founded a couple of years later in 1974. And... Is that uh, the same Women's Aid that's the no. big charity now? Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the first refuge that opened is the charity called Refuge. Yeah. They're two different charities. Okay. And... Um, on average, I found this out, on average, a woman will attempt to leave a partner, abusive partner, seven times. Yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot of yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, so now we have, well I, well, I just wanted to talk about kind of how incredible it was for these women to do that at this time. And they got a lot of backlash. A lot of men hated it. Yeah, they, they don't like it, do they? They hated it. You know, they camp- had campaigned against Would you know, just really hated the idea that women could seek help from other women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with the sometimes I mean attitudes have largely changed I was chatting to a lad who's a couple of years younger than me the other day and he seem really shocked by the idea that refugees were hated because it's just normal. Well,
1: they were like a public good, isn't it? It's like hating an orphanage or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, you couldn't know. understand it. Like, why would you... What What's your reasoning for it, yeah. you know? Yeah, he couldn't understand it and had to say, well,
0: <laughs> let's start with a little thing called patriarchy and historical injustice towards women. Um, but, yeah, so th- these cha- both these charities still still going today, which is absolutely incredible. But... Um, yeah, so since 2011, the funding the Refuge has had is, uh, has been slashed by, on average, about a third, which is... It's terrible, that. Yeah. Is that, that's because of austerity and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, well, 2010 was the coalition government election, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. And government proposals, I think they were proposed last year, I think the bill was supposed to be tabled again this year and they were supposed to come in with anticipating that they come into force by 2020 but i think brexit has put pain to all of those but but anyway government proposals last year um suggested removing refugees from welfare so basically a woman if she had housing benefit she could not Pay for a refuge. Yeah, placement. I've heard of
1: this. So, so yeah. it makes it impossible for them to keep themselves going. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. So women can't use their housing benefits pay for a, a refuge place. So they've got to find that money from somewhere else, which is just going to be impossible. And am I right in thinking demand has risen
1: over this period as well? It
0: has. It has. And refugees would re- um, rely on funding from housing benefit as well. So mm-hmm. these women would use housing benefit to pay, and so the refugees were relying yeah. on that sort of payment as well. Um but uh, yeah and in these government proposals 4 out of 10 so Refuge said that 4 out of 10 of their refugees would have to close if these government proposals went ahead yeah. and Women's Aid said that six. That, um, said as an evidentiary report that in the year 2016-17 60% of their uh, referrals were declined due to lack of space but yeah, so, but Demand recently has, uh, sorry, this is really depressing, but I think we should know about it and you should write to your MP.
1: Well, it's a huge thing and it's a yeah. big taboo subject. People don't want to talk about it. I think it's one of the reasons they don't get the funding. It's like, if you're raising money for like a children's charity or mm. something like cancer, mm. some, that's something that everybody can get behind. But mm. if you mention battered women, it's like, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's like an old people charity. It's something that people don't like to think about for, for whatever reason, so they can ignore the charities that are trying to do something about it.
0: I think you're totally right that people don't want to think about it people are a surprise when you kind of come out with the stat that between two and three women a week are still killed by their partner in the
1: uk male partner people are still surprised by that they don't want to think about well, it well i was thinking about this because i hear it and i've kind of got acclimatized and i think is it that much i mean you look at the male suicide statistics and like they're appalling they're like yeah. something like 50 men a week kill yeah. themselves so comparatively it's it, you know comparative to that it's what i think a lot of men's rights advocates will will, will pull out the suicide stats but but when you think about knife crimes become a like huge hot topic because mm. there's been like how many deaths this year because of knife crime and so now there's all this focus on what, to, what we can do to tackle this problem. Nobody ever thinks the same way about women getting killed and it's just like a normalised thing. Yeah. And, and we're just so acclimatised to it that it's not even... It doesn't register properly, you know. Why, why isn't it not upon the political agenda? It's just seen as a constant, isn't it? Like the sun will rise...
0: The rain will fall. Women, you know, patriarchy will exist. People don't take into account that patriarchy exists because people choose for it to exist it's not there on its own well there are people making choices that have created
1: patriarchy well i think in in a lot of it if you look at um have you, do you know if you the guys luke and ryan hart yeah they're um working they're i, I basically i'm in love with them they're they're, they're amazing fellows their their mother was jailed uh for killing their oh no you're
0: mixing him up with uh, um david challen but their mates. Yeah. Yeah, Luke and Ryan Hart, it was their...
1: Their, their dad killed their mum. Yeah. And he never and hit the her. And, and their sister. I don't think he ever hit her before. It was coercive control. Was it, it was coercive, coercive control? control, yeah. Um, but basically, their campaign now is to go after the media on the way that they report the crimes because I think a lot of what's the problem is with male violence is that the way that the media reports it it's like you know bodies found at this house it's like well okay who who, who killed them you yeah. know they'll bring up the, the amazing character like he was such a great guy he did mm. all this charity work and it's like yeah and then he killed his wife and all his children like it's not a great guy is it yeah. and it's a really passive tone of voice isn't
0: it this yeah. woman was killed rather than yeah this th- man yeah. killed this
1: woman so it's and it's looking at actually making it illegal to to use certain languages which I think will make it obvious. What's been What's been happening? Because the media is complicit in hiding the nature of the crime. Yeah, I think that's where handle is cocoa awareness. Um, so give them a follow.
0: Um, but yeah, that. but the uh, but um, in 2017. So to come back to some really exciting <laughs> refuge stats, but in 2017 in London, funding fell by 50%, whilst demand rose by 83%. Wow. Which is just... And there's been quite a few refuges recently that have had funding cuts. So Staffordshire Women's Aid didn't have their funding renewed um, uh, last year. And also Glasgow and Clyde Rape Crisis didn't have their funding renewed by Children in Need. And Children in Need didn't give formal feedback, but according to somebody who works there, um, when they received informal feedback on the phone, yep. they were told that it's because they weren't doing enough for male survivors. And... I just found that really, like, there are some really great charities for male survivors in mm. Glasgow. Mm. But because Glasgow and Clyde Rape Crisis was women and children focused, it's just we kind of were trying to be so, so inclusive mm. that we're forgetting that sometimes
1: specific groups do have specific needs. Well, inclusive shouldn't shouldn't mean um, including everybody because yeah. otherwise it's, it's not a targeted need, I think um the the stats about the amount of women who were turned down for places when you've got that situation it just seems a little bit churlish to to say well you're not being inclusive enough of these groups that i i you know think need stuff doing for them there's there's a need that's not being met at the moment isn't there
0: yeah Uh, well and i think that that's what i mean i don't want to get too much into the vancouver rape relief story now you can read about it on the website but that is one of the things that just really shocked me about that whole story so um I mean, it's been a pattern of targeted harassment for like twenty five years. But recently, the city did not renew their funding because they have a women only service, and um, and the and there are other shelters in the area that that serve male survivors and trans survivors. But there was just one space, one space where mm. women just it was just a women-only space and the thing is um there are plenty men and trans people involved in like fundraising in this in that in this in that but just at the one place where it was counseling and the safe house it was a woman-only space so that women vulnerable women in need could have a recovery
1: space yeah well I think if I was in that situation I don't know if I'd want a guy there you know and especially for something like a rape you wouldn't want a male counselor even even it, it wouldn't be personal to them like yeah. could be the best person in the world i just it, I, I, I don't think i'd feel comfortable with that and yeah. it's it's not um, it's not. It's just cruel, isn't it?
0: Well, Katie Piper... Have you read Katie Piper's book? I've not read all of it. She was the one, the acid attack survivor. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've not read all of it, but I read an extract the other day where um, she was talking about when she was in hospital after she'd initially been um, attacked and a male nurse came in and she just involuntarily just started screaming and panicking. Mm. And this is somebody who's giving mm. her care. Mm. This is mm. like a, a good mm. guy. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag good guy, yeah. trademark. But she just... But it was just an involuntary response after her trauma. She needed female nurses. Well, and I'm just not, I'm not going to tell any woman in that situation that they need to learn to be more...
1: Inclusive. Yeah, I'm just yeah. not going to be on that team. Well, I think... Do you know what I think a lot of it is? Because I've, I've thought a lot about this and why is it that women's refuges and, and these female only spaces I, i've been targeted relentlessly considering what the good they do and you know what i think it is my thing is it's radical feminism that's the center of radical feminism like churches they go out and they they recruit members by going to finding homeless people and people mm. in need and help them and support them and then through that way they come to the church i think in, in a funny way radical feminism doesn't have a church it has women's shelters and i think a lot of women come and Come and get healed and supported through their through their like our need by these services, and a lot of it does. Wait, it's like consciousness raising, you know. And then when they come out of that, they give back to the movement. And I think if 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 we look at what is happening, the fact that these places are being targeted is it's a targeting on radical feminism and on feminism really, you know. It's taking away that that power base that that has been created. Um, to take something terrible and actually turn it into something positive and make women you know support helping women support other women you know I think that's I think that's where a lot of it comes back to that's where the hatred really lies like tactically that's what that's my that's my theory about it because I think Vancouver rape relief they do a lot of work in education it's not just that they have the service a lot of it is um training and consciousness raising and and those other areas of their work that they really take umbrage with it's not like what they do day to day
0: yeah they work in a really poor area of vancouver Mm. as well i think that's really interesting i had not thought about it like that it's like targeting like the the primordial (laughs) soup of radical feminism like the cradle of it but that's that's what it is yeah no i haven't thought about that that's a really interesting way of putting that and the freedom program they're on Twitter as well. You can follow them. They run this great programme to help women um, uh, just kind of, yeah, just empower themselves, learn how to spot patterns of abusive behaviour um, and things like that. And they run a women-only course as well. And um, and they got a lot of hate for it too. And I found out recently my mate, um, she years and years and years ago she found herself where she needed to go to a refuge and she was referred to the freedom program and it really helped her mm-hmm. and she's actually um her and a partner they've got these t-shirts like, I got one it's um called a guide to great women it's a really great t-shirt it's got nine really cool women on it I can't remember all of them but it's like um uh, I think Sojourner Truth's on it um uh, Malala's on it Amelia Earhart's on it Margaret Atwood's on it it's just like a little Cartoon thing of great women, and it's made from recycled materials. And every five pound from every t-shirt goes to Newcastle Women's Aid. This wasn't intended to be an advert for that, but it's just from a little (laughs) plug. I know, but it's just reminding me. But yeah, so she posted when she posted about the t-shirt. I thought it was cool anyway. And then she put a full comment, and I don't think she'd ever really talked about it on social media before. But she said, "I needed to use Newcastle Women's Aid at some Mm. point in my life." And I was referred to the Pre- Freedom Programme and I really want to give back. And it's a cute little t-shirt made from recycled materials. It's Inland Sea and we can post a link. Yeah, we will uh, put it in the description. But yeah. But as in terms of funding for shelters, I mean, I don't have any hard and fast solution, but I'm just going to say the same thing. I say most months on this podcast, which is write to your MP. I'm like a broken record. But if you just keep writing, try and get meetings, keep writing, meet with other women, try and do some consciousness raising or awareness raising in your local area and um tell your mp that they need to put women at the top of the agenda
1: if you're in manchester um i would recommend manchester feminist network is the second saturday of every month at friends meeting house um two o'clock uh, go along to one of those meetings um different subjects uh Every month, but afterwards you go to the pub and you get to actually meet face to face with some with some women. So maybe you you're on the Twitter and you're, you 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 are like you feminist mate and all your mates are sick of hearing you are banging on about all this stuff. Um, meet face to face, come down to a meeting and um, meet some like minded women because like like we said, it's not like meeting in real life, is there? No, it's not. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, but that's what I wanted to talk about this week. You've got the fun
0: one this week. Well, what are you talking about? Oh, I've
1: got to break the tension now, haven't I? <laughs> so um, I want to talk about humour and women's humour. And um, this this was um, an article that I read uh, from... There was, a, there was a study carried out in the Journal of Applied Scientist, Sciences and they wanted to look at the way that male humour and female humour is perceived in the workplace. Mm. So they carried out a study. They did four presentations okay there was a there was a somebody called sam now in there was a a male sam and a female sam and they did four presentations in one of the presentations the female sam and the male sam told jokes and in the other two they didn't do any jokes it was the same presentation they just took out the five jokes Mm -hmm. so they wanted to see how people reacted to the presentations and they found out that um in with the men the humorous man got higher scores for the presentation his humor was seen as um functional it was like he was seen as um diffusing tension it was bonding it was reframing questions mm. the woman seen as confident and like yeah, yeah he's could, like alpha yeah. male yeah yeah um the woman on the other hand she was seen as they said she was a lightweight she was lacking focus um one of the things was that the the piece of feedback was for her. Um, she was using it to cover up her lack of real business acumen by making oh. little jokes. So oh. they found that the funny woman was less popular than the um, funny unfun- unfunny woman. Oh, really? Yeah, so if you're a woman in business, don't yeah. don't crack jokes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I just, I found it really interesting. It's like we, we have this idea that women need to be more like men and go out in the world and succeed. That's like the liberal take on feminism, isn't it? Yeah. Be more man. Yeah, yeah. But it just goes to show: do what a man does, and you'll get judged differently for it. Which because we- there's still those structures in place that yeah. still, yeah, we're still, um, like a funny woman's. Uh, not, well, we're not supposed to be funny, are we?
0: No, d- dour and
1: <laughs> like I don't know. I I think don't know back- about you, but I've never been funny in my life. Uh, well, but my life's a black comedy, though. <laughs> um, uh, well, I've, thing is, I think I'm quite funny, me, uh, even if I do say so myself. But I don't do it in work. I'm like right. not meaning work because I'm like they won't take yeah. me seriously. And I do find actually um, I think I use humour quite a lot in my life and um, people don't take me seriously and I find mm-hmm. it frustrating because like I, people know I'm smart like I, you, you know I've got things to say but I often crack jokes and I'm like joker and I think as a woman it, it leads back to it is you, you are seen as a bit of a lightweight and um, not serious and mm. you know. And a lot of it's gendered, Mm. the way that you're perceived. Um, But I also think male and female comedy is very different. Yeah. There's an idea. Like, I think, like, women, when we make jokes, we're the butt of the joke. And when men make jokes, the other person is the butt butt of the joke. Yeah. Um, And also, like, the way that women... Like, if you think about it, if I'm telling a, a story or, like, a if a man tells a funny story he he gives you like this big tale, and he just talks but if I tell a funny story with my mates like it's like collaborative in it like yeah you like almost do each other's punchlines yeah you add bits onto it and so it's a totally different approach to humor um and I don't know there's like the myth was it Christopher Hitchens said that women aren't funny yeah he did oh he's such an asshole I'm sorry like most of the women like my best mates are fucking hilarious like I don't know many funny men I'm not that being do like, I'm I'm not not being that like that, sexist yeah. like I do know some funny men but I'm like I'm I'm, I'm noticing it because I'm like oh he's really funny yeah like fall in love with you um <laughs> <laughs> I think part of it as well
0: that I think sometimes women have to be funny because um and we're funny with each other when we get in groups yeah we're funny with each other because sometimes our situations are so bleak yeah. we just find like you, I've worked with a lot of women in these kinds of um in my job, and when they get together, there was some people that I work with, and I was just howling. I yeah. didn't know them that well at all, but they were just playing yeah. off each other, yeah. and they were just yeah. so funny. And again, it's self-deprecating yeah. or just always pointing out the absurdity of a yeah. situation.
1: Well, like you do, like a group of girlfriends have like a way of being funny together. They're oh, like yeah. a comedy, like they're like a comedy team. Yeah, like an improv troupe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just you know you know you know what the other person's like. Um, and I thought about this because I um. I used to do stand-up comedy. Oh yeah, and um, and
0: would I, I have seen you years. at
1: the f- Frog and Bucket, or comedy star? Or? No, I was. Well, I was in London. Oh right, right, right. So I did like funny jokes with my guitar, uh, and did it for a little while. And I've just stopped doing it. I, again, I went to uni, went to went to do my nurse training, and I thought like honestly you can't do this and I actually spoke to them about it and they said you need to stop doing that all right. they said like you could get into trouble if you if you've yeah. you got, you got to be like professional at all times if you're a
0: healthcare professional you've got to be careful about your public persona haven't you yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: so I was like, I was, I was like <laughs> I've not even told you any of my jokes yet <laughs> 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 I was like, so I stopped and then um I was thinking about, I watched the, you know, the Hannah Gadsby? Oh, yeah. Nanette. Nanette. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, um, which got a lot of traction. And basically, it's like a comedy set that's not really got any jokes in it. Yeah. It's quite serious. And basically, her whole shtick of it is that she used to tell jokes because she was a like a butch lesbian. She used to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. Even as a kid, her presence made people uncomfortable. Yeah. So, her cracking humour was a way to like de-escalate that tension. Mm-hmm and then she's talking about she's actually turned all the trauma of her life into a joke and it's you know she's basically saying it's not really funny is it you know like you're yeah. all laughing but like actually what what purpose is this uh, is humour playing in these relations, and it really struck a chord with me because I thought, like my own my own um, humour, like I do like comedy songs, and a lot of them are about like really terrible things that have happened to me in my life. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I like I like I like the joke about that, and it's it's good. It is empowering. It does give you like control over stuff. But like at the same time, is it just like I'm in a room full of strangers and they're laughing at the worst things ever happened to me? Yeah, like, am I doing? Is that what I'm? Is that what I'm doing? Yeah. And then a little bit after that, I remembered, um, right, I went on... I'm not going to get into it, but I went on the camping trip from hell with my dad. And um, we ended up in a tent in, like, the middle of this field with, like, thorns everywhere. Couldn't find a light. There was no food. Uh, Suddenly realised we had a baked... We had, like, one cold-baked potato. Um, (laughs) Like, one cold-baked potato. (laughs) Couldn't find a lamp. And my dad's getting stressed out. My dad's got a manic depression, and so he was, like, proper... I could just feel the tension escalating and I was like, oh no, 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 what was I gonna do? And then I I cracked a joke, can't remember what I said, but I started cracking jokes with him and like suddenly he was laughing and suddenly like all the tension was like gone. And it it clicked on me then, like the reason why I use humour and the reason why I've developed a sense of humour is because when I was a kid, I used to have to diffuse the tension, Mm. like with my dad, Uh, when I was a kid, I couldn't get out of certain situations and when you're a kid, you've not really got much
0: got no you've not got any other power going for it, you really have you yeah. No, yeah
1: but kids can be funny can't they oh god
0: kids are s- too funny you know?
1: <laughs> and so like i reckon then it clicked in my head i think i just watched the, i'd watched the net thing and i was like that's why i use humor that's mm. what that's this is what i used to do when i was a kid i must have done it all the time when i was a kid to like you know release the tension you can't go anywhere when you're a kid can you like no. kind of stuck where you are um so yeah i think that's it's a way to de-escalate situations so I think and I'm sure it's the same for men as well I don't know if this is like a gendered thing but um just reflecting on my own yeah humor and the way that the way that I've, I've used it and it's um it's purpose yeah so it's sort of good and bad really isn't it well I sent
0: that. Uh, article to my mate who is a legit comedian. She's called Kate McCabe. She um she operates operates in Manchester. She operates like she's some sort of agent or something. She works in Manchester and countrywide. And um you should book her for stuff because she's really great. She's done a bit of radio. Put as a link well. in the description. yeah. Well, Kate yeah. McCabe, follow yeah. her on um, Twitter. She's like you love a little plugs don't you? I do. Well, I want to help out my mates, don't I? Um, but I sent it this to her because I wanted to get her perspective, and um. And I just want to read out a few things that she said um, that I just thought were interesting. She said, the passive listener is never really expecting women to be funny or use humour. And when they do, it disarms them in a different way than it does for men. And I think I would agree with that. Um, Because it is a surprise when a woman like starts cracking jokes and it does disarm you and she said we can only fix this by getting more women to find their humor their voice and not be afraid to use it the idea that women are funny should be normal um and she said i mean read the room first of course because some and some people never develop the ability of knowing when to tell a joke and when to shut your face (laughs) brackets ahem men of twitter (laughs) um and she said to some people a funny woman is like a fart in a library yeah she's not elaborated on that so it's open to interpretation
1: but yeah no i think a lot of when when a lot of men say like oh I want a m- woman with a good sense of humor what you mean is you want a woman to laugh at your jokes don't you
0: yeah oh my god like, yeah they say women don't have sense of humor yeah. when you we don't don't... laugh at the jokes yeah. like, it's
1: not funny though is it like i don't know I I, yeah. I, I I i find i can use humor quite well and i find like i actually do use it as one of my like my main pulling techniques <laughs> it's like i'm doing me to laugh in your face (laughs) (laughs) it is i'm like no i've got i've got the chat Mm. but um but i'm like if i I know for a fact if i was a guy with the same sense of humor i would be like rolling deep in pussy i would be like like i would be though i'm like
0: (laughs) yeah so and so many fit men have never had to try have they oh no so many fit men have like no personality i'm
1: trying to think of all the funny men that i know and i don't think any of them are fit like same like they are fit (laughs) because they're funny but they're not like yeah don't know no romeos you know i'll tell a joke do you I, th- I, th-
0: I do think that men sometimes are disarmed when women are funny or oh, we're only allowed to be funny in a particular way we're only allowed to be funny if we're kind of twirling our hair and going oh i'm so stupid and that's why i'm funny like women can't be as incisive as men
1: yeah I, but i don't know i've used okay this is funny like so I had techniques for getting sexually harassed
0: so I oh, I thought you were one. gonna say forgetting techniques for like getting sex. Get sex. going <laughs> to no. Pick up my pen and note paper, please help me. It's right. been so long since I've been held. Uh,
1: <laughs> right. So I was in a club. I was in um, where was I? Fifth Avenue. Oh, which, oh you know my it, god, yeah, yeah I used it, to go there as a teenager. It's like indie club, like proper like two pound doubles, greasy indie disco, greasy, greasy indie <laughs> disco for students and yeah, um, where you go when you want to get held. So, um, I was uh, a. <laughs> I, I, I was at the bar or something, and this guy grabbed my ass, mm. and he was with his mates. And I just turned around and looked at him, and I went, "Has that ever worked?" And his mates laughed at him, and I was like, "That's how you deal with sexual assault." Like turned it around on him. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. made that person the object of the yeah 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 of the power play. Yeah. Um. So you can use it if you use it correctly. You can like twist situations around. Yeah. Um. In and sort of win yeah in the power d- you can't always do that though can you no can't always think like the thing to say yeah. that's gonna like make
0: somebody um- there's a perfect um, german word and i can't remember it it's called um or oh, maybe french word called it translates to staircase wit and it basically means that when you think of the perfect thing as you're walking up the stairs oh, yeah. away yeah I always do um, that. yeah but yeah i mean it's some, sometimes you, you, you shouldn't have to put up with that in the first place anyway of like being grabbed like I know we're, we're talking about humour as a way to diffuse it, but we want to also say you shouldn't have
1: to put up with that and like that's bad and patriotic. Oh no, I'm probably butchering these days. Yeah. Like it was well, a few years ago. So like, that's my like, reac- that's my reaction now if I get grabbed. Yeah. Like, it's, it's quite bad because you shouldn't just hit random people. But mm, there's um, yeah. Well, yeah, but they might turn back and hit you back. So, well, yeah, they're yeah. bigger than you. Well, this
0: guy like grabbed me one time. It's when I was a student in the union. Uh, A club night, and I was so quick because it had happened about three times that night. So I was already on red alert. And the last guy who did it, my hand was like so quick. I grabbed his hand as it was still attached to my backside, and I turned around because it was so crowded, you couldn't tell who would be grabbing. But I turned around, his hand in mine, and I was like, "Does this belong to you?" <laughs> and I was- pushed in his face <laughs> and all these mates like looked at him and laughed but you know it shouldn't have been grown that many times in the student union oh it just
1: happens all the time doesn't it yeah but, um this that's a digression yeah um but, like that's that's my take on humor i'm glad we've
0: put to bed like women aren't funny and i'll, I'll never be funny again i, I won't do that again won't, won't try it ever no stop stop <laughs> stop stop uh stop not being funny my yeah, yeah. <laughs> um But yeah, if you've got any further reading or you want to slag off Christopher Hitchens with us. Um, We want to hear some feminist jokes because I've heard some, but they're they're just not funny. Like people keep telling me these jokes
1: and I think. Mm.
0: I quite like pun stuff though. If somebody could come up with like a really silly pun on like Andrea Dworkin or Sheila Jeffries or something like that. Like, I I don't know. I don't know. Work in progress. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) snap. Right. Um, But yeah, uh, do let us know. You can tweet us, make more noise one. Or email make.more.noise.mank at gmail.com. We need to
1: get a new email address, don't we? That one's like... I know,
0: we do. If you want to write for the magazine in. or contribute, do let us know as well. We're always looking for more contributors. And save
1: the dates. Save the dates. Okay, if you can DJ as well and you're in Manchester and you want to do a set for us... Yeah, let us let know. Let us know because like it's four hours that I have to DJ for. And like I like DJing, but four hours is a very long time. So yeah. You're going to show me a little bit so I can take over, but I'm going to be rubbish. <laughs> No, you'll be, you'll be grand.
0: <laughs> okay, it's our last section. Um we're going to do stuff that's coming up.
1: What is coming up at the moment? Okay, home, I've got an interesting season of films if you're in Manchester starting in early May. They've got a, a series of documentaries based on women in the uh, trade union movement. That is really cool. So there's like a whole season. I'm I'm, I'm going to go down to a few of them and they've got like uh, speakers speaking talking Talking afterwards. <laughs> Speaker speaking, talking. Uh, so, yeah, if you're in Manchester, check out Home Cinema, go on the website, they'll have details. Cool. Um, you can learn a bit more
0: um there's this isn't necessarily um just a a date that's coming up coming up but i recently went to the working class movement library in salford and i'm meant to go for ages and i haven't been uh, because i went to a radical women talk series of talks that michael herbert's been giving um and i would just encourage you to go to the working class movement library it's really cool there's lots of really cool stuff in there um, so and I'm sure they do have other events coming up. You can check what's on their website. Where That's is cool. that? Uh, it's in Salford, it's um near Salford Crescent. You can get there quite easily um if you get the train there and you can park there. Uh it's just off the A6. It's cool. Cool. Um anything else, any nationwide stuff? It's April. I can't think of anything else coming up in April. No. Right, where we've come to the last bits. Um our feminist top trumps thing, where we have a deck of cards with loads of really cool women. On it is
1: called Women Who Dare. Women Who Dare, and this week yep. I have Sarah M. Grimke, okay, American 1792 to 1873. Born of an aristocratic and wealthy family in Charleston, South Carolina, Sarah Grimke and her sister Angelina became the first women to speak in public against slavery and later for women's rights. Enduring immense public vilification in their native region, they went on to become among the most prominent and effective activists of their day in both arenas. Sarah Grimke set in motion the sister's lifelong mission when she joined the Society of Friends while visiting Philadelphia. After converting her sister as well, she settled permanently in the North. Angelina followed and the two dived headlong into the fight against slavery travelling and writing extensively for the cause among their native publications was American Slavery as it is Testimony of a Thousand Witnesses 1839 which became a source book for Harriet Beecher Stowe ooh I've heard of her like fellow quaker lu lu L- Luresh- Lucretia Mott and others the Grimkeys were appalled by the sexism they found in the abolitionist movement and quickly claimed to devote equal measure of their energy to women's rights, where have we heard that one before mm, <laughs> I know um, that's really cool, I think Harriet Beecher Stowe, I feel like she
0: wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, I okay. could be making that up, I think she's in here so we'll public amount her one yeah, day, or she was like an uh, uh, abolitionist as well um i want to google to make sure that that's right i'm sure if it's wrong you'll all tell me and <laughs> do do tweet us even if uh, don't just tell us when we got stuff wrong but uh, do let us know what you think if you have any other suggestions of stuff we could cover um and yeah i wonder who we'll get next time on the women who dare who knows we'll find out